Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Ben Standig here. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means on this Wednesday morning, I'm actually not rushing out to Ashburn for practice because with the Monday night game this week at Philadelphia, the schedule was pushed back a day, gave me a little more time to uh, get ready for this week and to chat sort of without. Uh, feeling I have to run out the door with uh, Jay Gruden back in his usual Wednesday morning slot with me. Jay and I just talked a few minutes ago, got to a ton of different topics from where, what did he see from Washington against Minnesota? Where does he think this offense is right now? Three games into the Taylor Heineke era this year. Uh, what is the view of this quarterback situation going forward? How do you get out of this quarterback conundrum if you're still trying to win games? Uh, Deron Payne, John Allen, is that the direction this defense needs to go rather than l- letting Payne go? And, of course, I did ask him about the uh, the news since he and I spoke last about Dan Snyder uh, looking like he may be selling the commanders. Uh, got his view on that, as well as the Eagles game. So a lot to get into with Jay Gruden. Excited to do that, and we'll do that next here on the Standing Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Also, make sure to check out theathletic.com. There's an NFC East roundtable up this morning with my other colleagues who cover the Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants to, to get a sense of where everybody is at this point in the year. Um, so as I said, uh, the, the practice got pushed back a day this week, meaning we won't hear from Ron Rivera until Thursday. We will chat with a couple of players today over Zoom, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hear more from Ron Rivera tomorrow, Thursday, about things like you know Chase Young, his practice situation. Is there a chance he'll be able to play uh, Monday against the Eagles? Where we're we at with Jahan Dotson and Cole Holcomb, uh, and, and, and more. I, you know, I'm I'm sort of, I guess right now I would sort of tread lightly on the idea that Chase Young is el- eligible to go this week. If he's not practicing in full on Thursday, it, to me that would seem really unlikely then that he would play. But we'll see. Uh, you know, obviously they're, they're, he's getting closer, and they would love to get him back on the field, even though that defensive front is really playing at a pretty strong clip right now. Uh, even though Kirk Cousins got the best of them, they were just you know whacking him all game long. They've been lights out against the run. So uh, you know Chase Young will, would presumably boost the effort, but that front has been really solid, uh, and even more so, um, even though he has not been able to play. Um, other than that, you know, well, like I said, we'll have another podcast later this week, uh, so we'll have a better feel for some things going on with the Commanders going into 
Philly. But right now, let's just get into it. Here is my conversation with former Washington head coach Jay Gruden talking about last week, Kirk Cousins, where things are going, and his uh, golf game. Uh, we'll do that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Uh, happy to welcome back to the podcast, per usual, former Washington head coach Jay Gruden, who is about to go play golf in terrible weather, it appears, uh, but he's willing to, to hang out with us before he uh, gets blown away by, by some hurricane-like winds where, where he is. Uh, does that sound about right? Yeah, it sounds about right. Not quite hurricane-like, but they're uh, very gusty, I should say. <laughs> All right. Well, 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 well. Good luck with that. Uh, as I was saying to you, hopefully the ball it helps the, the, your your ball path, not 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 hinders it, uh, especially off the tee. Um, what uh, has it going this week? Has uh, has life otherwise besides uh, the golf weather for uh, Jay Gruden? Everything is great, man. Everything's uh, just fine. Playing a little golf, enjoying life down here in Florida. Um, hopefully, see my mom and dad tomorrow in Tampa. See my brother and have a good weekend. Nice, nice. How, uh, what, what do you think of the, uh, the NFL, uh, this week? Any, anything like we're at the midway point? Like it feels like we should be getting some sense of who's good, who's not. It feels like it's kind of hard this year because there's not a lot of good teams, it feels like. But what, what, where, where are you at kind of with the yeah. NFL after this week? I think you're right. I think you have your teams with a good, very good quarterbacks that are pretty good teams. You can tell those teams right now that are pretty darn good. It'll be tough to beat. Then it's going to come down to the best of the average teams, and there's a lot of those out there. So if you can eke out some close games and beat out some of these three and four, four and three, five and three, three and six teams, if you're the best of that bunch, you'll get in the playoffs and, and possibly make a run. I, I know we, we, we've talked about this a little bit before and how this relates to some of the quarterback play being down, particularly some of the stars, your Aaron Rodgers, your Russell Wilson's and offensive line play. But is there anything else that, that you're seeing now as you've had more data something about, I don't know whether it's uh, how the defenses are adjusting to these modern offenses or just anything yeah, I, else that kind of stands out. I think uh receiver tight end play is lacking a little bit, man. And, and, and then your uh, premier backs out of the backfield, you know, there's Alva Kamara, you got Christian McCaffrey, you know, we had Chris Thompson back in the day. Those backs who were matchup problems for linebackers are, are few and far between and then tight ends. You get takeaway Kelsey and, uh, whoever else i mean there's really not a lot of great tight end. the best way to attack some of these quarters type defenses is to work it inside out and if you don't have a back to work the linebacker a tight end to work a linebacker out there in space it becomes tough because you can double the receivers all day and you can uh, play in and out on them you can high low them i mean there's a lot of things you can do the outside receivers but the lack of tight end play is quite evident to me you can see it in washington um and a lack of running back play out of the backfield well it's interesting you mentioned the tight end i happen to be looking this up uh, yesterday, uh, some stats about where Washington's tight ends rank among the league because, you know, look, they, they have Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. And, you know, by and large, those guys have done a pretty good job. And, you know, the running game has been up and down for sure, but they're getting like nothing out of the tight end. Here's where they rank right now. They have um, 31 receptions from all the tight ends. That's 26. They're 29th in receiving yards. They're 30th in receptions per target. They are tied for last with with touchdowns. Uh, they are 30th in first down receptions, yet they're 11th in routes run. So it seems like they have the you know they have players out there, but it's just not working. I I I didn't ask you in advance to look at like say a Logan Thomas, but like just as you're watching it, do you have a, like it doesn't feel like he's all the way back, and they're getting kind of nothing out of that spot. 
Yeah, yeah, it makes it difficult. You know, we're trying to work outside the numbers a lot. Now, surely you can put Samuel in the slot and Terry McLaurin in the slot. You can work them in the same location that a tight end would be. But if you have Terry outside and he's getting doubled, then the inside receivers, the tight ends in the backs, are the ones getting single coverage. And, and they are the ones that, that create the best matchups for you a lot of times and easiest throw for the quarterback. And Logan's really not that quite – he's a long strider type guy, but he's not a guy like a Jordan Reed who can really – get in and out of his cuts in a hurry. And that's something that a lot of teams are lacking, quite frankly. Obviously with Logan, the question is also like, you know, where is he physically after coming off the ACL tear? And it doesn't seem like he's all the way back. Um, and then they've just had nothing but injuries at that position. The one guy that's been healthy for them is uh, Armani Rogers, you know, former college quarterback turned tight end this year. Um, he showed some speed in this last game when they gave him a, a, a jet sweep on a third and one. Um, Cole Turner's been hurt. Do you see anything out of these young tight ends that they have that, that that if you were the coach, you would think, all right, maybe I need to lean into this guy or there's something to build on here? Or is this just a position where like next offseason, they really have to, you know, kind of make a look, look for a bigger move? Well, it's hard to say because you mentioned the stats already with the targets. They're, they're not getting targeted at all, so you can't really tell how good they are out in space. I don't know if they're getting separation or not. And that's something that coaches, I'm sure, watching the film with Heineke. Uh, hey, the tight end is getting separation. Let's try to work the tight end more inside out. But if they're not getting separation, then then you have to work Sam. You got to work Terry. You got to work your wideouts and, and Gibson out of the backfield or McKissick. So um, I like to see them work work more McKissick and, and uh, Gibson out of the backfield if the tight ends aren't getting the separation they need to. Um, so sticking with the offense, uh, always fun to talk to you about an offense. Uh, so Washington scores. Uh, what they score this week? Seventeen points. I already, I can't. I don't. I already. I, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I already forget what happened uh, three days ago. Um, <laughs> what what do you kind of make of where they're at right now? Obviously, they they they, you know, the NFL is so the margin of error is so small in general, and for this team, it just feels it's even more. They were on the verge of winning, right? If, if a couple one or two plays change, they win this game, but they don't. And then you look back and you're like, man, the offense they've only scored more than seventeen points once since week two uh so what did you kind of so what are you kind of seeing out of them now that they're three weeks into the taylor heineke experience well i think when you buy into taylor heineke you're going to have these issues you're not going to score 40 points a game um nothing against taylor is just not he's not built that way they're more of a i don't know try to move the chain scramble around make some plays um uh, play good field position game. Don't turn the ball over. Let your defense get you a good field position and win 17, 14, 20 to 19, whatever it might be. They have to win ugly. They can't turn the ball over. The errant throw that Taylor had uh, to, to Harrison Smith over the middle, those are plays he has to eliminate from his game for this team to have a chance moving forward. If he can eliminate the turnovers, I believe their defense is good enough to keep them close. And then Heineke can make some plays uh, like he did last week uh, to Terry McLaurin for the touchdown against the Colts or the close to touchdown things of that nature where they can win some games, but they're never going to win 41 to nothing. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, they could, but uh, that'd be very difficult with the skill that they have on offense. And, and yet like, because of the playmakers they have with Terry, with Curtis, obviously Jahan Dodson's been hurt, but you have Gibson, um, Brian Robinson, you know, it's been a bit of a slow start coming off of his situation, which is perhaps understandable, but nonetheless, it hasn't been a consistent presence inside. You, you would think that this could be an offense that could score some points. Um, there was a there was a quote. Um, I'm trying to find it here. Um, our our colleague at the athletic, my colleague at the athletic, Mike Sando, he talked to executives and coaches and p- fancy people like that during the year. And there was a quote earlier in the offseason that, that some executive said 
that the way the Ron Rivera builds this team is they build it to almost be too conservative, that they, that their mentality of how they just sort of put together the team is of that mindset. They're happy to win games 23-20, et cetera. Do you sense that in, in just sort of the way this team was, I don't know, put together or their moves? or is that, Does that seem like a real thing? Yeah, I think there's a lot of merit to that, and there's nothing wrong with that, quite frankly. You know, I think when we were 6-3 and three with Alex Smith, we weren't really lighting the world up on fire on offense either. Right. You know, he was playing very uh, efficiently at quarterback. We weren't turning the ball over. We're kicking field goals. We're punting, backing teams up, and playing good defense. And if you don't have an elite quarterback and or an elite receiver like an A.J. Brown or uh, Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddell, it's, it's very uh, – and Terry McLaurin is close to being elite, don't get me wrong, but it's very difficult – if you don't have that receiver quarterback combination to put up big numbers. So uh, playing, running the ball 24 times for 82 yards like Washington did, that's 24 carries. That's three yards a carry, about 3.5 yards a carry. That means you're not really getting explosive plays in a running game, which is going to hinder your offense. Uh, but you are getting 24 carries, which is eating up the clock, which means uh, you're playing decent enough on offense to get some plays off. And it's going to force your defense to get off the field as well. Um. What uh, what what did you make? I don't know if you went back and looked at it at all, but the Taylor Heineke is a sort of play in general. He obviously had the really, um, I guess, quasi backbreaking interception there when when Minnesota really started to turn things around. Uh, you know, we can talk about conservative nature from the staff on up. But like you yeah. said, he, it's kind of limited. Was there anything he, he's kind of limited with what he can do, though he has been winning? Anything that kind of stood out to you just generally about his uh, performance? I think Scott did a decent job. Scott did try to Scott Turner did try to take some shots with some play actions early in the game. Uh, I think Minnesota did a good job of covering those things or forced Heineke uh, to check the ball down or scramble. I just don't know if we're uh, if Washington's good enough on the edges to protect some of these uh, longer developing plays, and Heineke's good enough to set up that deep in the pocket and launch it that far on some of these plays. You got to try some of them, uh, but I think that's where okay. This is why you have to be a little bit more conservative because if your tackles can't hold up in protection to wait for Terry or Samuel to get that deep down the field and Heineke really can't see him or make those throws, then why do it? So, yeah, I think you have to rely on more of your running game, your quick passes, your RPOs of that nature, and try to get some uh, seven, eight play drives for 80 yards um, and then occasionally try to hit a big one. Um, the one they did hit was one of the most unique plays in NFL history where the referee took out the safety. Uh, that should have been a pick right there. I mean, instead of a touchdown, that should have been a pick. I mean, it's a fair catch for the, the safety. Instead, he got submarine by the ref. So uh, you just got to be careful. You don't want to be too conservative. Take occasional shot. Maybe a shot a quarter would be great. Uh, but you got to play within yourself and make sure you protect your quarterback and uh, try to move the ball at the same time. It's very easily, easy, easier said than done. I'm sure you, you still put yourself in the position of the coach when plays are happening. What, what are you thinking when you see where Heineke is throwing the ball and then, and then how it happens if you were either on either side of that play? How, how are you reacting to that? That's a, it's a pick 100%. I'm sure the Minnesota say that's a pick. I'm sure uh, Kenny Zampese, whoever's up in the press box, Scott said that's a pick. Don't throw it. Don't throw it. And then sure enough, uh, you get a, a spearing call by the referee <laughs> And uh, you get a touchdown. So sometimes they work out. You know, we've mentioned before, sometimes those 50-50 balls are worth taking a chance on, like Terry caught against Indianapolis. But this one was like a 10%. This was like a 2%, 98% interception rate. But the 2% came through and got a touchdown. There was four guys back there, I believe. I could be wrong. I might have been four. I know there was three. 
And uh, yeah, so I mean, it was an amazing catch by Samuel. Like, obviously, he gets help because the safety goes away, but even still, he was right in the middle. No doubt about it. That's that's a throw that I don't think uh, Scott or Kenny Zampezi had in mind for him to throw, especially with the other safety coming across who would have picked it. But uh, yeah, that was that was a crazy play, but uh, one of the only big plays that they had in that game. Yeah, and and I think whenever we've asked Rivera lately about. Heineke. I mean, even going back to to the end of last season when he made it clear they were going to try to get a, another quarterback, he's like, "Look, we kind of know where we are with Taylor, and he appreciates the guts that the, the, the kid plays with." But it's it's decisions like that that I think are going to you know yeah. drive him crazy. There's a lot of teams in that same boat. You know, not everybody has these unique these unique top level quarterbacks. There's a lot of teams that uh, are playing with quarterbacks. They're good quarterbacks. They're in the NFL, so they're pretty good. Uh, but you have to manage the game a little bit differently than you would with the Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. You can call whatever you want with those guys, and they'll make it work, even though Josh Allen struggled mightily against the Jets last week. So it happens even to the best of them. Uh, it's not easy to get points on offense. People think it's easy. Just spread them out, throw it deep every time, or uh, run a quick game or whatever. It's always a challenge. Every play is a challenge, uh, and you got to take advantage of the plays when you have them. Uh, you got to take advantage of them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And like to that point, the guy on the other side, who of course you know well, and Kirk Cousins, you know, didn't off their, their offense, you know, quick touchdown on the opening drive, nothing until the fourth quarter, and he's getting battered the whole game by Washington's yeah. defense, and yet he stays in there, makes some incredibly perfect throws to to Justin Jefferson, and, and the, the touchdown to Dalvin Cook and that wheel route, and obviously he does enough to win. Like people can knock Cousins. And look, he has never taken the Vikings or any team deep into the playoffs. At the same time, the margin for error is just much better when you have a guy with his ability who can make the throws that, you know, a a lot of these quarterbacks just can't do right now. Yeah, I think it was a very impressive game by Kirk. He was getting hit inside and out. I mean, Chase Young was coming inside. I mean, uh, uh, Jonathan Allen and Payne were crushing them. Uh, they do do TE stunts and they were coming in free. Montez Sweat came in free and just knifed them right in the hip. I mean, it was, it was a violent afternoon for Kirk taking the beating and he yeah. almost didn't get up on one time, but he still stood in there and made some incredible throws. Like you mentioned, one of Jefferson and Dalvin and he had a basic route, I think to uh, Hawkinson one time where he just got hit right in the face. I mean, I thought that's when you really have to judge a quarterback toughness when he get hit that often. And still, when the game's on the line, he can stand in there and deliver strikes. And Kirk did that. You have to have a lot of a lot of respect for the game that he had, a lot of respect for his game. Um, let me switch over to the uh, to the other side of the ball. Uh, you know, it, he's get Kirk is getting hit a lot because, as you said, Allen and Payne and Sweat in particular are getting in there a lot. And what's so interesting about Washington's defense is like they obviously made these big investments in these linemen. But collectively, they haven't really had these dominant stretches. It feels like we're in the midst of one now, though. You look at a lot of the statistics, particularly against the run, and these guys are – this defense is really uh, clamping teams down. We're on the verge, though, of Chase Young returning to the active roster, and then, of course, that will help the defense. But it brings up the other question of what do you do here long term? I've asked you this before on some level. But typically, 
uh, teams want to go with the edge rushers over the tackles, but the way Allen and Payne are playing, man, I, I don't know how you're going to easily move on from Deron Payne at this point. How are you looking at that if you're a coach, not just in the moment, but in the long term of like, what do you do with this group? Yeah, I try to keep as many as I can, to be honest with you. I think uh, they already moved on from Matt Ioannidis, who's a great uh, sub uh, defensive lineman. He's a starter, but he he's a great rotational-type defensive lineman. So that cleared up a little bit. But uh, the way Payne and Allen play on the inside and then speed on the outside with Young and, and Sweat, I think if you can keep those four together, you got to do everything you can to do it, especially if you're not going to get an elite quarterback. Now, if you get an elite quarterback and you have to lose one of those guys, that's that's different. But if you're going to be stuck with uh, – not stuck with, but if you're going to have the skill set of a Heineke or, or a Wentz or whoever it might be, you better play great defense. And it starts with the front four. So I would, in my opinion – do whatever I could to keep those four. So Okay, so here's how my brain works. They're currently four and five, and obviously they're in the wild card mix. I can't, I can't say rationally at this point that anybody should, from the management perspective, think, hey, maybe we should like, you know, kind of look towards the future rather than now. I totally get that. At the same time, if you want to get a quarterback, the simplest direction is to get a top 10 pick. If you're going to get pay a veteran, that person's going to get good money for the most part, unless it's sort of a midland player like a Heineke or a Mitch Trubisky or someone so what do you how do you how do you kind of square that like you know you have to get a quarterback upgrade but either that means a better veteran who will cost more or a rookie who won't cost much which will help the keeping the defensive lineman but how do you get that unless you're picking top 10 do do you think about these kinds of things like during the year yeah you're gonna be seven and nine or eight and eight or eight and nine whatever it might be you're gonna be in the mid pack of the draft you're not gonna get the elite quarterback unless you get lucky Somebody falls, you know, like Patrick Mahomes went 10 or uh, some other guys have gone a little bit later in a draft. I mean, but um, to get a free agent, not many people are going to part ways with the guy unless they get a ton for him, a couple ones or a couple twos or whatever it might be. That's going to be tough as well. So uh, you have to build your team around the quarterback, right? You got to get a good running game, good offensive line, and make sure you play excellent defense. This is the best route to go. And then, if you have that opportunity to get a quarterback and you might have to come off and trade Payne or Allen or Sweat or Chase, whatever, to get that quarterback, then so be it. Um, so that said, uh, Carson Wentz is eligible to come off IR after this game, so he could be available uh, the week 11 against the Texans. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Heineke this week. Seeing as how they're playing an undefeated team at, at, on the road, I, I, I wouldn't say their, their chances are great of pulling off the win, but if you're – Coach, how are you kind of assessing what you would do here at quarterback? Heineke seems to be the guy that maybe rallies the troops a bit better, but Wentz has that arm, which therefore means he's got the bigger upside to avoid, to give you a larger margin of error. And then it's not, lurking is the Sam Howell situation. If we're, if we're saying, how do you figure out the future? Again, they probably have to lose more games before you even go that route. But where are you at with your mind as a, as a coach right now in terms of these quarterbacks? Would you go back to Wentz, assuming Heineke doesn't, completely play amazing in this game or and how do you think about how at this point well heineke's proven he can win in this league he's won nine or ten games out of 13 or 14 i believe he's got a pretty solid record as a starter i think a lot will be uh, a lot of tale will be told against philadelphia they have a very good defense they're gonna have to score some points most likely uh we'll see how he does if they don't compete against philadelphia then i imagine they'll go back to Wentz. you know because he is a bigger stronger arm guy if they do compete well and, and they happen to pull off an upset, which I very well believe they can with the speed they have at the defensive end spot and 
the ability to stop the run with the inside people. Uh, you can maybe double AJ Brown that away. Um, then, then uh, you keep Heineke around if they can beat Philadelphia. So he, here's the other variable, right? E- even the independent of making the playoffs, obviously you want to have the best record you can from the coach perspective, regardless of whatever else is right. It just looks better for the resume where the team is going, et cetera. And now there's this layer of, oh, they're, may likely be a new owner and a new owner coming in could mean all kinds of things. And I'm going to ask you, of course, about this story, but like, does that from a coach perspective with, with your future? I mean, I know your future can always be unknown, but at least with a current owner, you have a feel for where things are at. You can talk to them directly. Here's our plan. We're going to do this or that. If there's somebody new that you have to impress and all you maybe have is the record, right? How, well, how do you, do you think that's a, something that weighs on a coach or would that have weighed on you as you're making decisions? I think every coach in the NFL, other than a couple of Belichick and a couple other people, um, have to really feel like you're going to get fired at the end of the year if you don't win at all. I mean, that's the way it is in, in the game. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way it is. If you don't have a winning record, you don't make the playoffs, you're probably going to be on the chopping block. Uh, if you have a new owner and you don't make the playoffs, you're probably going to be on the chopping block. That's just the way it is. Uh, you know, so I think they have to put together as many wins and be as competitive as possible here. Uh, down the stretch and make the playoffs, in my opinion, uh, to solidify uh, the feeling of building a new culture and uh, something good here at Washington. Otherwise, if they go seven and 10 again or six and 11, uh, what have they really done in the last three, four years? Um, so they'll be subject to change whether Dan Snyder's here or the new owner comes into place. Anyway, that's just the way it is in pro football. Nothing against the current regime. I don't, I don't know him very well, but I know that's the case in Arizona right now. I know that's the case in a lot of Indianapolis already made a change. There's already been two coaching changes already. Yeah. Uh, so that's just the way it is in pro football. And I was totally drafted Haskins. Hey, don't worry, Jay. Uh, give them time to develop. I said, time, time for who? You, you know, if you don't win, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to be here to develop them. And I wasn't. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough, obviously, to talk about Dwayne, but like that yeah, was, yeah. That, that was the part that was always to me sort of baffling. And I've said before that it feels like that decision not only screwed you because you. Yeah, it's not so much the decision to draft him. It's just that when you're told you have time to let somebody develop, right. you have time to let Heineke develop. Well, no, you really don't as a head coach is my point. Uh, I'm not crying over spilt milk from back yeah. then. I'm just saying in general, coaches don't have time. You know, Bill Belichick probably has time, but he's, he's getting older. Pete Carroll probably has time, but he's getting older. He probably doesn't want to do it much longer. Um, but Sean McVay probably has time because he just won a Super Bowl. Uh, there's only a select few coaches, in my opinion, that have time to truly let a young type player develop, go through some tough times at the quarterback position and record wise and still keep your job and see what you can do three or four or five years down the road. Their coach is getting fired after one year uh, and two years. So my yeah. point is you better win and you better win now. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, every coach is subject to change. That's just the way it is in the game. Yeah, no, no. Uh, the- People think that Nathaniel Hackett could get booted. He's obviously only been there for half a year at this point, but it's been so uh, unsettling, I guess, that that's why some people think it's possible. Um, speaking of coaches, what do you think of the Colts? Uh, not just firing Frank Reich. Okay, I get that. But the Jeff Saturday hire, it's very rare in the NFL. I mean, like incredibly rare to see a guy with no prior head coaching experience or really never been a coach uh, you know, in, in, in the pros or college at all to get an NFL job. Yeah. Uh, you know, good for him. I, I don't understand it. I know he's a hall of fame type player there at Indianapolis, but 
there are other Hall of Fame type players from Indianapolis too that I don't know why they didn't give them the job. If you go in the media or whatever, maybe he's a great leader of men. I don't know. Uh, and that's what he's going to have to be because I know he's not going to call any plays on offense or defense or special teams. He doesn't know any of the terminology or anything yet. He's not going to learn it in a day. Um, so it's going to be very difficult for him to adjust in that regard. He's got to make sure he hires the right people, which is possible. Um, but it just doesn't make any sense. All the eligible coaches that are out there have coached a long time, a lifetime, 40, 30, 50 years uh, for them to hire Saturday. is kind of a slap in the face of the coaching profession, in my opinion. But um, Coach or Jim Ursay, he runs the team. You know, he can do whatever he wants at the end of the day. And it's what he chose. That's what he felt in his gut would help the Indianapolis Colts win uh, short term and probably long term. So we'll see how it goes. Well, when you heard that that was they're doing, did you did you just like let out like a what the hell is this kind of kind of a deal? Considering you know you're, you yeah, you put in the years. That of- I think I think owners now it's the success of some of these younger type coaches. O'Connell and the kid at Miami and Lafleur had some success. McVay had some success. That maybe they're thinking they don't need a wealth of experience in coaching to come in and lead a team. So they hire a guy that they know in house that was a Hall of Fame type player with uh, good leadership skills to come in and try to set the culture how they want to things run offense defense special teams let the coaches do their work and then he just leads the team on sideline on game day uh, tries to motivate them at practice and things of that nature and, and draft well and make good efficient trades and keep your good free agents so um, you don't have to be a great play caller to be a head coach or a great defensive mind to be a head coach you have to be a great leader and uh, maybe Jeff is that and I don't know if this is fair but like if I was going to say if you're going to do this and you had to pick a position of a player, I mean, obviously there's an individual Jeff Saturday, but at the position of a player to try this, it feels like center might be one of the ones because he does have a lot of responsibility on offense, has to know kind of obviously all, all, all the ins and outs is calling the signals often on the line. And maybe there's, I don't know. It's often right. Am I right? That like the center is typically got to be one of the smarter players on the team quarterback it just depends every player is different there are dumb centers i've coached some dumb centers there's some really smart tackles some dumb tackles there's some really smart quarterbacks and some not so smart quarter i mean every position you could say that about i think the most important quality you have to have is a great leadership trait and uh, obviously jeff making it to hall of fame and playing with peyton manning obviously he's a pretty good leader um so i think that's more important than being necessarily so smart you know what i mean you got to be a great leader um, and I'm realizing I, I kind of went past the obvious question when I brought up the, uh, the the part about Rivera and thinking about what his quarterback plan is because of a potential new owner. What do you think when you heard that Dan Snyder was potentially open to selling the team to the point that now a lot of people think that's the much more likely path? What, what did you think about that? Yeah, I know Dan uh, loved being the owner of the Redskins, but there's probably only so much you could take i mean he's been taking a beating from the media and from uh, a lot of different a lot of different ways a lot of different angles you've been hit high hit low across the, i mean he's been hit a lot of different ways and maybe it's just wearing on him he's like enough enough let me get let me get my seven let me get my seven billion dollars and and i'll enjoy my life you know it's not it's not worth it to take a beating in the media every single day i open up the sports page or open up the internet so that may have something to do with it and uh maybe he's just tired of it but uh you know I'm not totally surprised just because of the last year or so, year, two years, three years of all the media scrutiny towards him. Um, I am a little surprised because I know how much he liked uh, doing what he did. Right. I mean, that's the thing, right? At the end of the day, he's going to get seven, six, seven billion dollars. Like it's not <laughs> if that's the worst case. I mean, obviously he wants to own the team and there's a lot of cachet that comes with it. But 
if you're going to get that kind of money, it's like, man, at some point, why are you doing, like you said, why are you taking this? And look, he obviously put a lot of this on himself for various things that have gone on on the field, off the field, but like, it doesn't seem like a fun way to go. Um, so it's interesting on, on that front. Uh, how, I don't know how you can answer this without knowing who the new owner is or you're, you know, you're a nice guy. If he sells or once he sells, how much of a drag is lifted from this organization in terms of where it can go? Obviously we don't know who the new owner is, but in terms of Snyder, what are his actions, his perception, do you think that will make a major lift to whoever comes in next? You know, I think the perception will be, uh, yes, it's going to be way better, you know, but reality, it depends on who it is and what he's willing to invest in his team and his coaches and his players and how much he really cares about the area. Um, Dan did try to spend some money. He tried to spend some money on coaches. He tried to get Joe Gibbs back, Steve Spurrier. He tried to get, uh, you know, he tried to make it work with myself. He tried to get good players in here with Ainsworth. And yeah, Sanders, Bruce Smith, he tried. Uh, just didn't work out for him. Just never could get the right quarterback combination going. Um, and it just depends on a new owner, what he's willing to do. Um, see, like I said, you're a nice guy. Uh, last thing, just the Eagles. What's for you as just a sort of one thing to look at for this game? If Washington's going to have a shot at, at pulling off the upset, what's one thing that you kind of think they need to, uh, to, to get done? Well, I think uh, it'll be interesting. I think they can do a pretty good job stopping the run, really. I think the speed that they have on the edges, if Chase Young comes back him in sweat, uh, chasing down Hurts will make a big difference. Um, and they just got to stop the big play of A.J. Brown somehow. And and Smith hurt the Redskins or the Commanders last time out with some big plays down the sideline. So it, it's it's tough to say, okay, stop the run and also stop A.J. Brown and, and, and Smith. I mean, it's, it's easier said than done. And Goddard, who's a good tight end. So they just got to play sound defense, try to keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket, try to minimize the big plays. Uh, hopefully Hurts makes some mistakes. Then offensively, they're going to have to do something. Uh, they're going to have to control the ball. Uh, try to get the running game going more so than 24 carries for 82 yards. They got to try to get some pops in there, which is easier said than done against that front. Uh, but they're going to try to force their will and be physical, be more physical than the Eagles is the only way to beat them. Uh, good luck out there on the golf course today. I hope you don't have any, uh, you know, dumb centers or quarterbacks okay. are out there with you. Uh, <laughs> good luck. And uh, we'll, we'll talk next week. All right. See you. Thanks.